All right, we should be old. I appreciate the opportunity to be able to just speak and, and what God has laid on my heart. Uh, as you're turning to Isaiah chapter 6, <clears throat> little about myself. I uh, was raised out west of Clovis, New Mexico, uh, on a farm, and uh, thought everyone's dad was like my dad. He crawled off the tractor at sundown, came in and would eat, take a shower, and then he studied the Bible. He sat around with commentaries around his chair uh, every evening, loved studying God's Word. Uh, three other brothers, and any time we had a question, uh, we could go uh, to mom and dad, but dad would pull out his Bible, and he would take us and show us what Scripture said. And uh, I really believe that because of that is, is where I gained a real love for God's Word, a real love for studying God's Word. And uh, uh, Jess began early, and uh, uh, I had always, was raised in a very musical family, both sides, my mother and dad's side, and uh, always got together and sang gospel music. <clears throat> and so music was a vital part uh, of my young life, older life too, but uh, uh, started, uh, leading music my sophomore year in high school in churches, revivals my senior year, and God just always allowed me to be able to minister. Uh, went to college, started teaching and coaching, and uh, coached in Clovis uh, to start with, and uh, uh, had a church there that I was uh, music and youth while I was coaching there. The uh, Lord moved us to Roswell before the aliens found out we could make money, and, uh, but uh, uh, went to, to Roswell coaching and uh, filled in at First Baptist Church as interim for a year and a half as music and youth, and uh, God always gave me that opportunity and privilege. Ended up in Borger uh, teaching and coaching. Uh, same way there, uh, just working in, in various churches, and uh, always said that uh, I was bivocational, but uh, school paid my salary, and uh, loved it, and always knew one day as a sixth grader, I knew that someday I'd be standing behind a pulpit, and uh, spent 31 years in public school. Uh, doing that ended up at, back in New Mexico at Dora, New Mexico as superintendent of schools uh, and uh, loved that and uh, was just sitting in a, a, a meeting one night in a, a school board meeting and had great Christian men and women. Uh, again, Dora, anybody know where Dora, not Mount Dora, but Dora, New Mexico? Why? Oh, but... Uh, <laughs> Dora, New Mexico sits down south of Portales. Our school district covered 820 square miles, and we bust in 150 kids. And uh, 
loved it. It was great, had great Christian board. And uh, uh, my wife and I always said that uh, when it was time to, you, to move to another coaching situation or whatever, God would give us this holy uneasiness. I mean, you know God is working, and there was just this uneasiness that we had where we were, but knew that it was God. That it wasn't because I was mad or upset, because that wasn't the case at all. But setting in a board meeting, and uh, God just told me that night I needed to resign. And uh, uh, didn't know for sure what I was going to do. And I'd had other schools contact me wanting me to come as uh, assistant soup in, in larger districts. Uh, but uh, uh, just really didn't know what, what I was going to do. And uh, we had gone to, from door to Tucumcari for a funeral. And we were coming back and my wife and I were talking about it. And we'd been praying about it off and on. And as our wives, our better halves can do and should do, she turned to me and she said, what's your passion? What is your passion? And I began to weep while I was driving and uh, looking through the tears. And I said, teaching God's word. That's my passion right now. And so uh, long story shorter or whatever, uh, ended up going into surrendering to the ministry full time, ended up at Clinton, Oklahoma, First Baptist Church as a pastor of education and family and uh, was there 14 years uh, then uh, retired but uh, so just a little quick history of how how uh, God has gotten me to this point uh, today love teaching God's word uh, I love and this is teaching to me uh, you know preaching teaching are two separate things but uh, just really uh, love getting in. And what we're going to cover this morning is a familiar passage uh, with many of us, but uh, hopefully make a little different application to it. If, if we walk in here this morning, regardless of what we study and we open God's Word, and you learn something, that's great, that's good. But if it doesn't change us, if it doesn't transform us, we've missed it. If we walk out the door and all we had was a little frilly feeling, and, and uh, that was really good message, but it doesn't change us for this next week, we've missed the boat. And so my prayer this morning and my prayer for the last couple of weeks has been that God would take this passage and change us. And so uh, the application will be uh, here as, as we go through. That's what we're looking for, which means some of you may wish you had your boots on because we're going to let Scripture step on our toes. Is that all right? Okay. In my Sunday school class, I always say that uh, when we teach God's Word, when you study God's Word, you need 20-20 vision. That means if you're looking at a piece of passage like we will here in Isaiah 6, you need 20 verses before and at least 20 verses after to put it into context. Don't ever go into and just look at a, a, a scripture, six of them, eight of them, as we'll look at this morning, 
and try to pull out the scriptural truths of it without putting it into context. So make sure you always have this 2020 vision. So being that, let's look at Isaiah chapter one. We're gonna go quickly through Isaiah one through uh, five and uh, just to see what, what the situation is. Isaiah is a prophet and uh, has been called out to be a prophet. And a prophet is one who speaks God's truths to the nations or, uh, of Israel and Judah, both in his situation. Chapter 1-1 starts like this. The vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw during the reigns of Uzziah, uh, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. And so we, we know that uh, uh, we have uh, Uzziah is also called Azariah, but uh, we, during these reigns of kings, Hear, O heavens, listen, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows his master, the donkey uh, his own manger. But Israel does not know, my people do not understand. Verse 13, stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations. I cannot bear your evil assemblies. And these evil assemblies don't mean that they're bringing in a, a statue up here and we're going to, you know, I've got boots on. I could pull, pull my boot off and set it up here and we're going to become Buddhist. Okay? And we're going to worship a boot. Okay? It, it's not that they're setting up false gods. It's just that they're not worshiping the one true God like they ought to. And that's where I want Holy Spirit to take us this morning, is this idea that, that uh, stop bringing me meaningless offerings, okay? And, and let's get back to uh, the idea of this incense, the prayers of incense. And he says, it's detestable to me. You think it's a sweet savor, but it's not. So uh, that, that's what I want to look at as we go through. Verse 18, familiar scripture. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Praise the Lord, there's grace and there's hope through Jesus Christ for us today. And so we, we see that all's not lost, it's not all doomed, but there is hope. Chapter 2, verse 1, this is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills, and all the nations will stream to it. There's hope. God's the conqueror. Jesus is the king of kings, whether we know that or not, or whether we really uh, trust that or not. Chapter 3 four and five, we get into woes. Anytime in scripture you see the word woe, okay, then that means judgment. God is bringing judgment. There are woes. We see in three, uh, nine, woe to them. Verse 11, woe to the wicked. 
we uh, get on into to five, eight, woe to you who add house to house. 11, woe to those. 18, woe to those. 20, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Boy, is that not our time and day. Hey? Woe to those who put darkness for light and uh, who light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who all are all wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Woe to those, okay? And we, we see the woes. Now this brings us up to chapter six. So we, we get a little bit of foundation of what's been taking place before. And what brings us to the point this morning, understand this morning is, is a message of what God has laid on my heart and has whipped me the last two weeks, okay? God has been chastising me over these last two weeks as I've gone in and studied this. So I'm sharing with you what God has been doing in my life is basically what this gets down to. 6-1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Isaiah is between kings. In the year King Uzziah died, which is like 736 BC. And so, we, we have King Uzziah. King Uzziah was a great king, one of the, the best kings uh, of that time, except when he thought he was holy enough to enter the Holy of Holies and he offered sacrifice. He thought he was holy enough to do that. And somebody tell us loud enough where everybody can hear what happened to him. He was struck with leprosy, okay? He was struck with leprosy, and he died a leper, lived in a, uh, as the king lived in a leper colony. And Second uh, Kings 15, Second uh, Chronicles 26 will take you to that if you're taking notes and want to go back and look at that. But uh, great king, but ended up a leper. And so in the year that King Uzziah died, we have this vision of uh, Isaiah. He's in a transition period. He's in a transition time. Does that sound familiar? Okay. We're in a transition time between our lead pastors. And we are blessed to have our staff that you, that you have, believe me. And you know that. And uh, uh, make sure you let them know that. Uh, and uh, often that God has, has blessed us with a staff uh, of unity and a staff of uh, really wanting to minister to this community. One thing that I saw, uh, <clears throat> I, you know, on Facebook, it pops up your memories, okay? Five years ago, yesterday, we visited Paramount for the first time, Bobby Sue and I did, my wife, and uh, uh, for the first time. And one of the things that I noticed after I was ordained a deacon in 82, but after serving as a deacon and then later on staff as a pastor, the unity that the staff had when we came. 
It was very obvious uh, of that unity and the way they loved on each other. And uh, that doesn't always happen, okay? Believe me. But uh, uh, this idea that uh, uh, as he goes through and he's in this transition period, here's, here's what Isaiah sees. Here's what God allows Isaiah to visualize. And that's what I want Holy Spirit to drive within us this morning. He saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. His train and robe filled the temple. When's the last time you've entered into your prayer life? When's the last time you've walked through these doors and really expected, really expected to see God on the throne in all his power? And really what what God is doing, he's allowing Isaiah to see the next king's not going to be the savior of this nation. The next king's not going to be the savior of Israel, not going to be the savior of Judah, but it's God who's already sitting on the throne. There's our application. Okay? We, we can look and we can uh, search for a pastor, which we should. And, uh, but uh, it's not going to be the new guy that's going to come and bring revival to this church. It's not going to happen. Okay, there's this old song, Lord, send a revival and let it begin in me. Lord, let, let it begin in me. If we want to see this church grow, this church minister to the community, and that was one of the things that I saw with a pastor as well. They weren't the pastors of, of Paramount Baptist Church like sometimes you get. They were pastors to the community who happened to work at, first, at Paramount Baptist Church. Okay? That, that was just so obvious to me. They wanted to be ministers to the community. And uh, uh, when was the last time that, that you have walked through these doors expecting to see God on the throne? When was the last time you've walked through and... Uh, that he, you, you expected, you knew that he was high and exalted. Just high and exalted and, and lifted up. It's easy to get caught up in change. Change is hard. We all know that. Being superintendent of schools and with teachers, the old saying was, change will never happen until it hurts more to stay where you are than it does to change. Okay? Never change until it hurts more to stay where you are than it does to go ahead and change. And so, and that's true, that's human nature. But we have a godly nature. Just like with what Will shared this morning with, with going to one service. Okay? We all have our preferences. Okay? It doesn't matter. You know, Isaiah, we see God on the throne and guess what? It's not us. Okay? God's the one on the throne. And so, uh, uh, you know, the, the little uh, uh, deal that the search committee put out, the little survey, you know, uh, what age do you think our pastor ought to be? Young, middle-aged, old, okay? We have our preference, okay? Right? Okay? Uh, what do you think his spiritual gifts ought to be? Should he be an evangelist or a discipler? Should he have hair or not? 
right? I mean, we, we get to that point. And, you know, the, the point of the fact is it really doesn't matter. I think you'd agree with me. We want God's man. Okay? We want God's man. Now, let me share with you. I was on search committee in Borger. We stepped out, and within about two months, we had our man. That's unheard of in a Baptist church, right? I mean, we had our man. Greg Simmons was in Skytook. I see a couple of familiar faces back there that was, they were in Borger when I were, Frank and Sherry. And we on the committee knew, he knew he was coming to Borger. One year later, with us sitting on it, because Skytook was a smaller church, he had four deacons, and within the last couple of months, all four of them had died. He would not leave that church until God and he was, was able to raise up leadership within that church. Number one, that's the kind of man we wanted. Okay? But we had to wait a year. We sat for a year with no movement because we had our man. God had told him. God had, had led the committee. But it was in his timing. So don't think it's only about us finding God's man. Wherever God's man is, God's working in that situation as well. And so uh, just that word of encouragement, really. Okay? Stay true and, 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 and pray for the search committee. I, I said first uh, service, uh, I apologize to the, the search committee because I've prayed for them. I really have. But it's a lot like now I lay me down to sleep, learn to raise me. Lord, bless the committee. Amen. Is that your prayer? Or is it a real sincere catching God on the throne, interceding on behalf of the committee? Same way with our staff. Uh, apologize to y'all. At times I do, but I, I haven't, okay, really gotten on my face and prayed for our staff. And this is what we see happens to Isaiah when he sees God sitting on the throne. Anybody's toes getting stepped on yet? <clears throat> but we see God's majesty, his glory, just all that he is sitting on the throne. Verse 2, above him were seraphs, each with six wings, with two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. So, and we could get into here, the, you have seraphs and you have cherubims, seraphims and cherubims, and the seraphs have six wings, they have uh, three sets of two. Seraph means the burning ones. So when you see uh, something, a, a depiction of a seraph, it will have the flames out because that's actually the, the word for it. The Hebrew word means to be a, a, a burning one. And they were flying around, but what more important uh, is that they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. We sang it this morning. Holy, holy, holy. Or did you really sing it this morning? Holy, holy. 
holy? Did it reverberate across the room from one to another about the greatness and the holiness of our God? Or was it just kind of the same old, same old, and not really experiencing God's presence? It's important here to, to, to see the, the repeat of the word three different times. In Hebrew, from what I understand, uh, there are very few exclamation marks or anything like that. So, I mean, if I'm, if I'm sending you a text and I send you something and, and I want to make sure you get the point, I will say, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, okay? Adding emphasis. I might even capitalize it. I've got five daughters and they, they tell me, quit screaming at us, dad. I mean, you know, when I capitalize the text. And so, uh, the, the, but they did not have that. So what they would do for the exclamation marks were to say, holy, holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Putting emphasis on, on this idea of holy, and they were, were shouting it and, and saying it back and forth to each other. I sat in a meeting with Tony Evans one day, and there were about 12 of us pastors. And he said, pastors, have you ever just tried to get behind the pulpit and preach and there's just kind of a fog out there and you can't seem to get through the fog. And of course, all the pastors, yeah, we've been there. And he said, that's because there's a greater fog behind the pulpit. He said, God's word will always pierce through that fog if you've studied and if you're prepared and you allow God to work through that message. That, that's what I have prayed for this morning is that Holy Spirit is able to get through this fog we have of just apathy of approaching God and how we see God and how we need God to work within uh, this body right now as, as we step out and search for a pastor. But we see that the, the temple was filled with his presence. It wasn't just a fog. It was a, a, just a cloud, God's presence that filled the temple. When's the last time you've walked in here and felt God's thickness? Have you ever been in a prayer meeting or maybe a Bible study where, quote, God showed up and it was just thick? Okay. When's the last time you've really expected that? When's the last time you've really asked for that? God, as I go to church this morning, Lord, I want your presence to be thick upon me, but thick within our congregation. Lord, let us feel and, and sense your presence uh, as we uh, go through this idea of an, an understanding of, of God's holiness. When you experience God, it will change you. Always will. Uh, when you experience God, it will change you. Let me share with you just a few here. Job 42 says, Lord, I've, I've heard about you, but now I've seen you 
so I repent and fall to my face. Daniel 10, so I was left alone gazing at the great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking and I listened to him. I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. I'm getting to a point in case you haven't caught on yet. Revelation 1, 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. John in, in Revelation when he begins to catch this vision. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, get up. When's the last time you literally or spiritually have been knocked to the ground? To where sitting in a chair praying wasn't enough. Sitting in a pew experiencing God's presence wasn't enough. When was the last time that, that you, you just felt like you had to just get down on your face? I've seen that in a Baptist church, okay, where the, God's presence was, was so real. And uh, I remember that in, 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 it was larger than this. And uh, in this aisle, there were several probably 20, 30-year-old men literally laying on their face. And there were uh, in this aisle, and, and over here were, were the youth. And there were some youth that were literally laying on their face before God because they were so broken. When's the last time you've really expected that? What if during the invitation, Will got up and just laid on his face down here? Would that be okay? That, that's what happened here. When we experience God, it should change us. It should make a difference when we walk out these doors. And uh, uh, we, we all need this touch and this, this cleansing uh, that Isaiah has here. And he says here in verse 4, at the sound of their voices, the doorposts shook, the thresholds shook, the temple was filled with smoke. Boy, something's happening down there at that Paramount Baptist Church. Okay, something's going on. I mean, we, we have the physical presence of God uh, that, that is here. It's not just the hum, ho, same old, same old. Now, Isaiah says, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips. This doesn't mean that he was going around cursing. What it meant was there in the very first part of Isaiah that I read where he said, don't bring me your detestable practices of worship. You think it's worship to walk in here, shake some hands, go to Sunday school, whatever it may be. And God said, that's not what I want. Don't bring me those half-hearted ideas of worship. Don't sing the songs half-heartedly. Okay? I'm a man of unclean lips. I Physically and spiritually, I've been playing church. Uh, when I, back in my day, many of us can remember this, was called Training Union. And you had a little book, quarterly, and you would walk in and somebody would say, 
Terrell, you read the first part, and I'm going, no, that's too long. Give that to Susie Q. She reads better than I do. And, and then we'd go this, so then we'd read our parts, and there was probably some little paragraph of summation, and the teacher would pray, and we walked out. Okay? That, that, to me, I, later, I realized we were playing training union. We were playing church. Is that you this morning? Uh, again, I've, I've had, I apologize to our staff and the search committee because I've played church at praying for them. And God has, has uh, whipped me these last two weeks because of that. But woe to me. Are you willing to, this morning to just say, God, I'm unclean. I've, I've not been what you've called me to be. I've not been worshiping you the way I need to worship you. It says, and then the, the rest of that is, I live among people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. My prayer uh, this week and, and a song that's been going through my head is, is let your glory fall. And, and it goes on and just, Lord, we, we expect it. Lord, let your glory fall in, in our presence today. And uh, uh, we've, we've seen the king of glory. And uh, uh, woe to me, I cried, I'm ruined. For I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the king, the Lord of the almighty, the heavenly host, the heavenly armies. I've seen him. I felt him this morning. I, I was reacquainted this morning. Maybe this morning you're here and this really doesn't make sense because you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You know, we know and believe that Jesus Christ was died on the cross was buried and was resurrected so we could have a relationship with God through him. Maybe you're here this morning and, and none of this makes sense because that's the starting point. And you need to have that surrender to Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And uh, maybe you were, like me, baptized at age nine, but you know now that it really wasn't real. It was, you went down because your cousin went down or because granny wanted you to, you know, whatever it may be. We, we've all been there. But was your salvation real? Uh, check that this morning as far as the worship. If a visitor was sitting beside you this morning, maybe first time they've been in this church, how would they be any different than you or how would you be any different than them in your worship? A lost person can't worship God. They can only see a believer worship. Did they see you worship this morning? Did they sense the presence in you this morning as, as you uh, came in and we sang and as we worshiped as you were in Sunday school? What are you doing to facilitate 
the ongoing of this church. And my Sunday school classes heard this. There's no such thing in Scripture as a pew sitter. You come in on Sunday morning, you sit in the pew, and you walk out until next Sunday. No such thing. What are you actively involved in carrying out the ministries of this church? Have you, has God been so real to you, you, you just... You, Kind of like I was whenever my wife asked me, what's your passion? Teaching God's word, and I began to weep. I knew that's where God was going to take me. I didn't know how at age 52 <laughs> to change totally. But uh, uh, th this idea of what is your ministry in this church? You're not sitting in a pew this morning just to take up space. And I'm sorry, I'm getting on some toes maybe. But that's really... What, what he's saying here, once I saw God, I had to be involved. Once I saw God, Lord, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man of unclean lips, and woe is me. I've, I've got to do better. I've got to do better, not just because I do better and God loves me more, but because I've seen God sitting on his throne. I can't just be a pew sitter, and I'll get off of that. I've seen the Lord Almighty. Verse 6, then one of the seraphs flew to uh, me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With, with it, he uh, touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned forever. Again, we've got a gracious God. If, if you've been lackadaisical, cold, playing church, whatever term we want to use, and you need this freshness of God on the throne, all you have to do is say is, woe is me, and let God come and cleanse that aspect of just being unclean lips and just uh, not, not being real. Then I heard the, Lord, uh, heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here, my Lord, send me. I'll teach sixth grade boys. I, th I thought I'd get more of a chuckle out of that. Okay? Here, my Lord, send me. Isaiah didn't know what until God tells him later on, you're going to preach and preach and preach, and there's not going to be any salvations. For how long, Lord? Oh, long time. Okay? Lord, here am I, send me this morning. Lord, here am I, let me see a, a fresh vision of who you are on your throne. What I need in my life to encourage me, but to convict me, to teach me. Holy Spirit's just total encompassing job uh, this morning. Here am I, send me. Lord, let me catch a, a, a fresh vision of you sitting on your throne. It's glorious. Lord, I want that. I desire that. I need that. Father, I ask that you touch our hearts. Holy Spirit, come and uh, just be real. Father, I pray that you'd go with these this morning, that you would uh, just uh, let them hear you. Father, let them do business with you, but more importantly, you do business with them. Let them be open to be honest of uh, just saying, yeah, 
I've, I've not been doing and, and being what God has asked me to do. Lord, we love you. Lord, thank you for just taking me these last couple of weeks and reteaching me this, showing it to me again. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll have pastors at the front. Let me encourage you, stand and uh, just let God do business with you through his spirit this morning.